going to start a brand new series this weekend called Unshakable Joy. Could anybody use some unshakable joy <laughs> during these times? Well, the good news is Jesus tells us that we can have it. In John chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Could anybody use some full joy? I could use some full joy. Jesus said that we can have full joy. Now, have you ever tried to explain something to somebody that you just didn't have the words for? You just didn't know how to do it. That's really what I'm going to be trying to do today is trying to explain something that words are hard to explain what this is. Words are hard to explain what joy is. And so uh, I'm going to attempt to define it for you. And so I want you guys to go on a little uh, thought experiment with me, a little adventure with our thought for just a moment. And imagine that you were one of those people in the movies or whatever, and you actually got the genie in the bottle and the genie opened up for you and you get some wishes. Okay. So everybody kind of get that in your mind. I know it's, it's goofy, but let's just play along here. So you get this and you get to have some things granted to you. All right. So I want you to think right now about maybe what's missing in your life, maybe what's missing in your joy and think about what could change if it could just, I mean, if you could just wish it to change and you'd, you'd find joy. If, um, maybe that's a relationship for somebody. Maybe that's a job situation change for somebody. And may, maybe that's, I don't know what that is. Maybe, you know, if you could just wish to all of a sudden be living your dream and fulfilling your purpose in life and you could just have that granted to you right now. So get whatever that is in your mind. Everybody, everybody got something in your mind that you think Okay, some people have, three people are playing along. Okay, well, t all right, anybody else? Okay, just imagine some things uh, that would bring you joy and get all of that in your mind. And that is exactly what it's not like to get joy. <laughs> that is exactly what it's not like to find joy. And yet that is what we think it's like. That's what we think is missing. We think our joy is missing because something is missing in our life. And so when we go to define joy, the natural place to go is the dictionary. So I went to the dictionary to try to get a definition, a definition of joy. Here's one of the definitions. The emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. Another second definition is a state of happiness. So if we were to go by this dictionary definition, we could sum it down to sum it up to this that joy is the result of success, of stuff, or a state of mind. And that's what the world would tell us joy is. And that's the best definition that we have in front of us. And so the question is, is that true? Is that true? Is it down to success, uh, stuff, state of mind? Because that's what the world says. And, and you even have stuff, you know, where somebody will say, go, if you want to go through your closet, I don't even know what book this is. I just heard about it. Somebody said, go through your closet. And if you, you look at an article of clothing and if it, if it brings you joy, then great. If it doesn't bring you joy, throw it out, right? Uh, I don't even know what that's about. I just heard that somewhere. But it, what is it doing? I'm not saying there's something off about it. I'm just saying all that's doing is reinforcing a wrong source of joy. It's reinforcing that joy comes through acquisition, that joy comes through stuff, that joy comes through these type of experiences or things. And so really, if we're really honest, a lot of us, our definition of joy really is happiness. 
We really, if we really had to define it, we would say it's happening. We don't want to say it is that way, but, but that's really how most of us think of when we think of, do I have joy or do I not? Is my joy full or is it not full? And that's really our country's motto. It's what? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of? You guys are paying attention. That's good, right? And that has become our goal. And so it's not like a bad goal necessarily because a lot of us, we try to, we try to, you know, pursue these things to make us happy. So we get, a, you know, a good job, a good career, a good life, a good wife, a good church, a good uh, life. What are all these things? But here's the problem with happiness. The problem with happiness is that it can never be complete. You can never find the end of happiness. There's always more happiness to be had. There's, you know, so if joy is simply happiness, then Jesus couldn't have said your joy would be full. Because there's always more happiness to find. There's always something that can make you happier. There's always something that can go on. And so what happens is we search for happiness and we have a bunch of disappointment uh, and disappointed seekers in the wake of searching for happiness. If we think about in the Bible, one of the most famous people in the Bible is a guy named Solomon. I mean, he was the guy who could have anything he wanted. An, an angel appeared to him, uh, God appeared to him in his dream saying, what do you want? Have whatever you want. And he asked for wisdom and all these things. But, and God says, well, you didn't ask for a bunch of stuff. I'll give that to you anyway. And so he had anything he wanted. He had everything that everyone thought would make a life joyful. He had riches and ranches and collectible treasures and entertainment and businesses and pools and servants and vineyards and multiple houses and, and, and all of these things. And he wrote a whole book about how none of it satisfied him. He wrote a whole book basically saying how his happiness was never full. He never found the end of happiness. He never found the end of it. He had everything that everybody wanted and are giving their lives to, but it didn't bring joy because it, here's the thing. Happiness can come for a moment, but then it can be gone just as quick. How many of you guys know that's true, right? And so many of us, we're evaluating a life. Does my life have joy? And we're putting it up really against the wrong measurement. And that measurement we're, we're using is a measurement of happiness. But Solomon could never be full of happiness and you can never be full of happiness and even when you acquire all these things you find yourself on the joy tank being not so full right and, and so have you guys have had, had some warning signs that maybe your joy tank isn't very full I mean in these times has anybody ever had some warning signs like like irritability like right I mean how, how many of you guys have found yourself reacting to things maybe you wouldn't normally react to uh, so, you know, sometimes your body can even give you signals if you get like a little twitch in your eye or something like that, right? I mean, something's not going right. You know, we, we, we have all of these signals. We have all these things where, where you, have you ever had this thought? Like, if one more thing happens, if one more thing, if one more person, if one more problem, right? That might be a sign that your joy tank is, is a little bit low. And so we try to mask it. And here's what a lot of people try to do. They try to mask an internal problem with external activity. We mask an internal problem with ex external activity. And we think we can just keep going and keep busy. And we maybe forget about the pain that's on the inside. Maybe we'll forget about it. And it just leads us to deeper and deeper struggles. And then we realize, wait a minute, I'm a Christian. <laughs> Shouldn't I have joy? Jesus said it. 
In fact, one of the most famous scriptures in all the Bible is found in Nehemiah chapter 8.10, which says what? The joy of the Lord is my, can anybody say it? Strength. How many of you guys have ever thought before, like, why, why isn't the joy of the Lord my strength? Because I don't feel like it's my strength right now. I'm a believer. Why am I not experiencing joy? So what is the joy that Jesus talks about? Some people will say that the joy that Jesus talks about is living a life that it enjoys and experiences all of these blessings and treasures of God. All of these things that God provides for us to enjoy. And yet on the other side, even in the Christian world, you have some people that say, no, that's not what joy is. Joy is actually about serving and sacrificing. And that joy is truly found in serving and sacrificing not over here and in, in, in just living all these things. And so there's even a tension with believers like, where is joy? Where is joy really found? And, and so you may be asking yourself, why don't I have joy? I'm a believer. I'm following Jesus. I should be experiencing this joy. What is it? And you might be thinking, my joy tank is a little bit low. My joy is a little bit shaken. And if that's you, I pray that throughout this series, you're going to find out that God has a much better way. And so tonight, today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at, uh, I'm going to have a guy named Joe McGee. I've showed a video of him before. He's going to tell us two stories and throughout the message. And the first story really just sets up what we're wrestling against and what the battle is. So let's watch. Lou Holtz, who's an ESPN commentator, coached football at Arkansas, Minnesota, Notre Dame, then back to South Carolina. When he was at Arkansas, nobody wanted to play for Arkansas. Arkansas was a hillbilly country. With, it was bad. He's trying to recruit somebody, so he sends one of his assistant coaches that he brought with him from South Carolina to Fayetteville, Arkansas. Now, if you've ever been to Arkansas and Fayetteville, that's, that's country with a K. <laughs> they have Mule Day, Mule Day every year in Fayetteville because there's a lot of mules up there. People still plow with them. Real country people with overalls and mules. And so he's, he's going up there, and he's driving down a dirt road before cell phones, trying to find this address for this kid. He, he hadn't seen the house in two miles. And so all of a sudden he's not paying attention, and it's a hot, dusty summer day. His car gets over the side of the ditch and gets stuck in just like snuff. <laughs> it's just dust, old Arkansas dust. He's stuck. He can't get out. Well, he's not past the house in a while, so he goes forward. So he keeps walking. He sees a farmer playing with a mule. True story. True story. Hey, you got a phone? The farmer says, what? You got a phone? My car's stuck. I need to call a record. The farmer says, I come pull you out with my mule. Oh, I need a truck. You got a phone? Well, the farmer won't take no for an answer. So 20 minutes later, comes around the fence line. The guy sitting on the hood of his car is stuck in this ditch. The farmer walks up, backs that mule up to the car, takes the pull bar off, and wraps the chain around it. And he thought, well, I'm going to end up killing this mule. I'm going to have to buy a mule. Still don't have a truck. Doggone, what a day. What a day. So, so the car's leaning in the ditch. So the farmer gets up on the ditch, up on the side, got the reins, and he taps that mule on the rump. And he walks up, takes the slack out of the chain, leans to it. He says, son, are you ready? Get it in the neutral. Keep your foot off the brake. That's now we're going to pull you out. He said, all right. So he thinks he's going to kill this mule. I'm going to have to pay. So he takes it. And all of a sudden, he slaps that mule three times. Boom. Come on, Frank. Come on, Bob. Come on, Jim. That mule didn't even flinch in there. He just laid there. He said, on the fourth thing, he said, come on, Dusty. Boom. When he called him Dusty, that mule leaned in. Boom, boom, boom. Pull that car out of that ditch. My coach got to say, man, that's amazing. I didn't know mules could do that. So he's trying to pay him. The farmer won't take any money. He's putting the chain back up on the mule. So what are you looking for? I'm looking for a 1A running back. Yeah, it's about a mile down the road on the run. 
My coach gets in the car and he pulls around. The farmer's going back down the road to get back and start plowing again. He said, it dawned on my face. He said, I, he stopped the car. He said, hey, hey, what's all the name calling with the mule? True story. He said, the farmer said, oh, Dusty, he's blind. If he thought he's pulling by himself, he wouldn't pull. The devil has one weapon. He's a liar. He lies. You're alone. Nobody loves you. Nobody cares about you. Nobody's thinking about you. Nobody's praying. God's got people halfway around the planet praying for you. You've not even met them yet. God will never leave us nor forsake us. Our job is to get up, shake the dust off, and start moving again, not lay down and feel sorry for ourselves. That's, that's the, the first thing we have to understand, that Satan, he was lying to us. He wants to, to, whatever the lie is, he's lying to us. He's trying to tell us we're alone. He's trying to tell us that, that we, we can't have joy because we don't have this or we don't have that. And so I'm going to give you some reasons today that uh, I believe are some of the reasons. I could have picked a lot of things, but I believe these are important. Some of the reasons why you may not be living with your joy tank on full, okay? And so the first reason, I've got five of them, uh, and I'll try to move through them fairly quickly. The first reason is this. You might associate joy with how you feel right now. This may be why you don't experience joy, because again, Satan wants to isolate. He wants to aggravate. He wants to lie to us. He wants to get us to live out of our feeling bucket rather than out of our faith bucket, now, how do you guys know feelings are fine, right? Feelings, God gave us feelings, but they, they are not supposed to be our master, right? They, we're not supposed to be led around by our feelings. They're wonderful servants and horrible masters, as we say. And, and so, uh, it, you know, sometimes we just take a temperature of our joy tank by how we feel right now. I posted online this past week that over this last season, I've felt a lot like David, I've felt like I felt like there's been times when I wanted to just be in a cave, right? I felt like there's times when I've had some victories when no one was looking. I felt like there were some times when I felt like I was all alone. I felt like there were some times when some people were against me. I felt like there were some times when I killed a giant or two. I felt like there were some times when I wanted to write some worship songs. I felt like there were some times when God was really moving and I felt the anointing. But but here's the thing: regardless of what I felt, it's not about what I felt. It's about how I'm found. And I, I don't want to be feeling like David. I want to be found like David, who was a man after God's own heart. And yet some of us, we are just judging everything in our life by how we feel right now. Feelings can be a thermometer, and they can take the temperature of the room you're in, but they've never been intended to be a thermostat to set the temperature of your life. And yet so many of us are led around by our feelings rather than our faith because we don't have the right perspective. Matthew chapter 25 verse 21 says, His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And this is also in reference to entering into heaven, entering into eternity. See, sometimes we've lost that end, that, that, that long-term view perspective of what God is doing in our life. And we evaluate joy by just this moment. How many of you guys know that happiness and unhappiness really can't exist at the same time? You're either, you're either like experiencing happiness in that moment or there's something that takes away that happiness. But do you realize 
that joy and trouble can exist at the same time in Jesus. And so many times we're evaluating, well, is there trouble or not? Is there a bad day or not? And so you may not experience joy to the full because you're evaluating it simply by what you feel right now. The Bible says in Hebrews, I believe it says that for the joy that was set before him, Jesus went to the cross. How does that make sense in our evaluation of joy? But, but yet there's, there's something deeper here to discover. That's what we're finding out. All right, number two reason why you may not feel like you have a lot of joy right now is that your God may be too small. Your God may be too small. You're looking at your life and your God is too small. You see, because the truth is everybody has a version of God in their mind that they're tempted to entertain that's not accurate. And, and this is what Satan does. This is, I mean, he loves to deceive us and to twist us and to change our mind around. And so we're looking at what's going on in our life. And, and we have issues and we have problems and we have situations and we have circumstances. And we look at it compared to who we really believe God to be. Not who we sing about and all that stuff. But who in our heart we really have shrunk God down to a God that can't handle what's in front of us. And so you have to be really honest about who you believe God to be. Do you really believe that he's the God of the Bible? Do you really believe that he's the God that created everything? Do you really believe that he created you, that he created every single one of us? Do you really believe that God is the one who parts the seas, that God can move mountains, that God can raise the dead, that God can heal bodies? Do you really believe that? I'm asking you today, do you believe it? Because sometimes we lose our joy because we've forgotten it. Maybe because in our real belief system, in the real culture of our heart, we've shrunk God down so small that we really don't believe that God can handle the problem. And so one of the reasons why our joy tank may be low is because our God is too small. So you have to really honestly ask the question, is your problem bigger than your God? And I know this, my God is bigger than any problem that is out there. There's no sin that's too big for his grace. There's no problem that's too big for his miracle power. God is a big God. He's large and in charge, right? That's, that's the kind of view we have to have of God. Number three, try to move real quick through this. Your joy may be all about you. And so when you evaluate how's joy in my life, it's really all about you. And it's about your joy and your experience and your life. We, we went to uh, Silver Dollar City uh, a few weeks ago, I guess, and uh, whenever that was. And uh, it, it, was, it was interesting because it was super hot and you had to wear masks everywhere you went. And it was a little bit uncomfortable. They have a new ride there called Mystic River Falls. Some of you guys may have heard about this. It's like, if you've been to Worlds of Fun, it's like the Fury of the Nile, only on steroids, okay? This thing is like awesome. It's got all these real huge rapids and stuff. And it takes you up on this elevator thing and then drops you off. And we were so excited to ride this thing. And so we decided that at the very beginning, I mean, at 9.30 in the morning when the gates open, we rushed over to that because we thought everybody else is going to wait until it's really hot and then decided it. we rushed over there we got in line we waited we got on the raft I mean this is it guys we're getting ready to go for the first time we'd watched videos on it we talked about it we planned on it we knew how it was going to go we get we had to do two rafts because our, our family was big and so uh so we get right up there and we're getting ready to drop in they're getting ready to drop in and then all of a sudden everything stops Sorry, technical difficulties. We're going to have to have everybody exit the ride, 
And so we're like, oh my gosh, we've been talking about this for weeks and weeks. We've envisioned this. We've, we've rode this ride a million times in our head, you know, and here we are right at the edge and it's broken. And so we had to all get off and we're walking away. And one of the attendants comes up to me and he says, here, let me, let me give you this. And he writes this thing down. And it was one of those trailblazer pass things that would get you to the front of the line for any ride, one-time use. Like, okay, so we're going to come back. It, like later, like when it's hot, you know. And, and we went and, and the line was like huge, you know. I mean, there's people just, I mean, just sweating, suffering. It was, it was crazy. And we're like, there's no way, two-hour wait to get in this thing. So we go, we, we've never done this before. So we, we go up and they have a little special gate that you walk in. And then you can walk right up to the line where all these people have been waiting. And they're waiting for their turn. And then you show up. And you're like right there. I mean, we, we, just, we just got some cinnamon bread or something, and we're just, like, walk right up. And they all right, come right on here, sir. You know, we get on there. We rode our ride. We're waving at all the suckers along the way, you know. <laughs> but, but how do you guys know? No, I don't care. Nobody likes those people who get and cut in line, right? I mean, some of you guys are those people. We call those rich people. Uh, you can have your yacht or whatever, but... But we felt like, I mean, we were the rich people that everyone hated. And so, I mean, but, but I say all that to say this is the way a lot of us look at joy. If you flip that over, most of us, we're looking, we're standing in line for two hours, right? We're ready. We're, we're going to get to ride the ride, but we've been standing there. And then all of a sudden, we see somebody else have some sort of blessing in their life. And we look at them, they're at the front of the line, and we, we, we don't know their story. We don't know that they waited in line previously. We don't know what's going on, but yet we, oh man, why do we not like those people in that moment? It's because we're comparing our line to their line. We're comparing our weight to their weight. We're comparing our situation to their situation. And in that, in that situation, we are, our joy is directly tied to a comparison. Our joy is directly evaluated by, by what's happening in our lives in comparison to what's happening in someone else's life. Now, a sign of, of maturity and supernatural joy. Here's a sign of maturity and supernatural joy is being able to genuinely rejoice over someone else's victory, promotion, success without comparing it against your circumstance. When you can genuinely rejoice in someone else's victory without comparing it to, well, did I get a victory lately? Did I have that same experience? Do I have one coming? If you can genuinely, see, that's when you know you have the joy that comes from a supernatural place. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, is Paul talking. He says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, my, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you. Can you hear all of this language that's going on with Paul? He's, he's most, I mean, most of the letters that Paul wrote, wrote that are, oozing with, with joy. I mean, even like Philippians and all that. He wrote from jail. He wrote from prison. He wrote from house arrest. And yet they are oozing with joy because his joy was not just found in his life. His joy was found 
in what God was doing in someone else's life. Paul's joy was greatly impacted by the success of other people. And if, if you're just waiting for someone else to fall for you to look better or to have more joy, then guess what? You're going to be miserable quite a bit of the time. It, it, you're not going to have joy. And if they succeed, you're going to be depressed because they got something that you didn't. I know this is very basic stuff, but this is what the Bible talks about. And so one of the markers of joy is that we would find joy in what God is doing in the lives of other people. All right, another reason why we may not feel like our joy tank is full is this. Your mouth might betray you. Your mouth might betray you. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 23 says this. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. When you listen, I'll include our thought life, the, the tape that's playing in our thought life. When you listen to what's coming out of your mouth, and when you listen to what's replaying in your mind, does your mouth betray your joy? Does your mouth betray the joy that's possible? Let me, let me say it even this way. Do the words you say cause you to believe God less? Do the words you say cause you to believe in the promises and the truths of Scripture less? Our words are so important. So I said there was another story uh, from Joe McGee, so let's watch this story. First grade, I went to, we didn't have kindergarten, it hadn't been invented yet. I'm in the first grade. First grade, I'm wearing a girl's blouse because all my cousins were girls. So I wear a white blouse that buttoned backwards with pink owls on it. In the first grade, Hicks said, we didn't have desks. We have eight-foot tables. We didn't have screens on the windows, just big windows that raised up. We didn't start school until after Labor Day. It was, life was good back then. So at eight-foot table, we had milk break. We got milk break every day. So it's milk break, and three cents, you get your carton of cold milk. And well, you can't talk during milk break. So me and my buddy, Gary Hutton, Mike Blake, sitting across, and we're sucking on our milk. And we had a mother that volunteered. She's a homeroom mother all the way through the fifth grade because her boy was in the class. And so we're sitting there, and I, bird haircuts. Nobody's got hair. Bird haircuts, like in the fifth grade. Mm, you don't have to comb your hair. You don't have any hair. And so, so I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, that mother bent over her son, and I like him, not nice kid, bent over her son, and she kissed him on the top of his head, and she said, you're the most handsome boy in this class. Me and Mike Blake looked at each other and went, she lied. Because he's ugly. Now, we didn't have TV. We haven't been written by the media or, or, or computers. We're just normal people. We're just able to, well, he's ugly. He couldn't help it. He came out that way. Now, he was well-groomed. His mama starts his shirts every day and made things in place. But he was ugly. And I thought, holy Lord, I don't know mother's lie. That was a lie. And so, when I went through school now, uh, he went through high school and graduated with me. And so, I uh, played football and baseball. So, we got on the baseball, uh, football field early. We're out there in the fall. We're out there on the field. And me and my buddies, we get there early. And so he hadn't come out yet. And we'd sit there and we'd talk about him. I said, what is it with this kid? He's uglier than a mud fence. But he has a date every Friday night. Because he's just bold as snot. You know, I remember asking a girl out on a date the first time. Hey, I don't know if you're doing anything Friday night. I mean, you probably are. But uh, if you're not, maybe you'd like to go out. I don't know. Maybe I can borrow my daddy's car. I don't know if I can, but I probably can ask. And if you'd like to go out, maybe we go down and get a hot dog or something. If you've got some money, I might take it. You'd like to go. Well, nobody wants to go out with a doofus. I couldn't buy a date. And so he's got a date for him. And we thought, what is it with him? Do the women feel sorry for him? Is it an ugly thing? Is it a female thing? Like, well, bless his ugly heart. We need to take him out on a date. 
No, it's because he was bold, because he believed he was handsome. Hey, we've got Friday night, 8 o'clock, pick you up. Yes. And so <laughs> he married one of the most beautiful girls in my high school. And uh, I'm going to my 50th, it's my 50th high school reunion this year. And we start having them every year because everybody started dying off. It used to be every five years. <laughs> we're, doing, we're doing them every year now, trying to grab you before you go, man. <laughs> Take a lot of pictures. I know. And so, but he married one of the most beautiful girls. And they had three beautiful kids. Thank goodness they took after their mother. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Because that guy is still uglier than a mud fence. But he thinks he's handsome. The reason he thinks he's handsome, his mother told him every day that he was handsome. Because you believe what you hear the most of. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the weak say I'm strong. Let the poor say I'm rich. Call those things that be not as though they are. We're a different group of people. Yes, that's so true. So what are the words coming out of our mouth? What, what is it producing in our life? Do you realize that with your words, you can tear down the work of God in your life? Do you realize that with your word, you, words, you can tear down a relationship in your life? Do you realize with your words, you can tear apart a church? Do you realize with your words, you can tear down the work of God in someone else's life? That's how powerful our words are. So one of the reasons we may not have joy is because our mouth is betraying us and is betraying our joy. Okay, let me give you the last one. The last one for today is this. Your idea of joy may not include God. Your idea of joy may not include God. See, here's the thing. Jesus gave us a hint to where this full joy comes from. He says, these things I have spoken that your joy may be full. All right, what things? Because isn't that important? Jesus said, these things I've spoken that your joy may be full. What, what did he speak? All right, let's go back, rewind the tape. John chapter 15, verse 4 and 5. He says this, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart, me, apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus says, these things I've spoken, and here's what I want you to understand, that when you're connected to the vine, your joy can be full. When you're connected to the vine, when you're abiding in the vine, your joy can be full. Now, there, there's one of those definitions at the very beginning of the, the sermon that I gave you two, but there's a third one that I kind of liked that was actually in the dictionary. The third one is this, a source or cause of delight. A source or cause of delight. So here's a little, as we're wrapping up the message, here's really what I want you to get, and it sounds so simplistic, and yet we miss it. But here it is. Jesus, the joy comes from being with Jesus. I've looked at all sorts of scriptures in the Bible about joy. I've looked at all sorts of circumstances. I've experienced this in my own life, and the fact of the matter is, is when I step away from Jesus, my joy goes down. But when I lean in to the Word of God, to the things of God, when I plug in, when I'm abiding in the vine, my joy seems to go up. Joy comes from being with Jesus. When you abide in him. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean 24-7 you're in a church service? No, that's not what that means. That means, an, it means that my heart is oriented towards him. That means that when there's an awareness that things are, that I need Jesus, I run to him rather than, than to other things. That, that joy comes from being with Jesus. And the truth is, and many of you have experienced this but joy won't remain if you won't remain. Our joy won't remain if we don't remain, if we don't remain in God. 
Psalm chapter 16, verse 11 says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence, at your right hand, are pleasures forevermore. Isn't God always with us? Yes, God is always with us. But, but sometimes we step away. Sometimes we step out. Sometimes we take a step back. Sometimes we, we go to other sources rather than to Jesus. And some of us would like to say, well, isn't there another way? I mean, do I have to abide? Do I have to, ha- you know, do, I have to do that? It, it, let, me, let me just share it this way. How many of you guys have ever been shopping before? Okay, everybody, all right. How many of you guys, let me ask you this. How many of you guys are the ones that you love a good deal? You love getting a sale. Anybody love getting a sale? Okay. How many of you who love getting a sale... You saw something maybe from a distance. You saw maybe a, an outfit that you liked, something you wanted to buy. You're like, oh, yeah, this is really nice. You walk up, and you're liking it. You're looking at it. I like this. I like this. Then all of a sudden, you see the price. I don't like this anymore. How many of you guys are like that? See, here, here's the thing. So many of us, were looking for a sale when it comes to abiding. But when you, we're talking about discipleship or following Jesus, it never goes on sale. It's always full price. It, there's no shortcut for it. There's no workaround for it. And some of us, we go up to Jesus and we say, oh, I like, I like following Jesus. Then we see the price. Oh, I don't like that anymore. We start following Jesus for a little while. We're like, I like this. Things are going well. Things are going good. And then all of a sudden there's a cost. I don't like that so well. See, discipleship, following Jesus, abiding in the vine, it, it never goes on sale. It's always full price. It never, it never, there's never a workaround for it because Jesus knows this because this, Jesus knows what's best for us. All right, let me give you a, a final example. I, I believe that maybe if your joy is shaken, it's because we haven't recognized the source. And so I saw this illustration, and I'll close up with this. Some of you guys have been wondering, like, what, what's this little juice box doing up here? Uh, this is going to be hard to do with one hand here. Uh, I'm going to make a mess all over. There, oh, that wasn't so bad. Okay. These things always like squirt all over the place, right? We never give these to our kids. Um, rich people. Um, <laughs> all right, so what, what happens, let me just close up with this little illustration. I didn't even see what flavor. It's, it's apple, I think. Um, so what happens is it's kind of like this. So many of us, we find, as we're, maybe we're just going through life, we find, you know, we're following Jesus and all this type of stuff. We, we, we have, we start to drink out of this. Hmm, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I like that. I do actually like that. That's really good. Uh, I like this a lot. And so we, we're, we're drinking out of this, and pretty soon, we, without even knowing it, without, without even knowing it, we, we start to become so familiar with this straw, and really our only contact is with this straw. Our only contact is with the straw, and we start to really like this straw, and we're like, man, that, this, this straw is so awesome. This is, uh, this is where juice comes from, this straw. I like this straw because we have contact with the straw, and we think, well, this is where juice comes from. And then one day, all of a sudden, pull the straw out. There's, we're, I don't curse you, straw. This is, where, what happened to you? Like, you were supposed to be... The source of juice, and you've stopped. And so what happens is, can anybody see where I'm going with this? All of a sudden, maybe with a relationship, all of a sudden, at first, things were going really, really well. And, and we're both, you know, as we're young married, and we're following Jesus, and Jesus at the center. Mm, mm, that's really good, man. I, 
this relationship, man, this, I got the best wife in the world. I mean, awesome, awesome. And then, then some time goes by, and then all of a sudden, oh, what happened? What happened? You're, what's going on? I thought you were the source here. I thought, I, I don't like that. Maybe the job at first, maybe everything's going well. And everything's going all right. And then what happens is, is pretty soon, what happens is we, we begin to think that the straw was the source. Can, can I just tell you, the straw was not the source. And I've heard it put this way, but your relationships, your work, your circumstances, they, they may be a conduit through which joy flows through, but they're not where joy comes from. And, and we get so upset with, with, the, with this thing, with this relationship, with this job, with our season, with our circumstance. And we think that if we could just have, the, if there's something wrong with this, there's something wrong with this relationship, there's something wrong with this season, there's something wrong with this year, there's something wrong. And we forget that our joy is never supposed to come through, it's not about these things. And yes, there will be times in your relationship where the joy of Jesus will actually flow through another person to you or the joy that God created you to work in a fulfilling job, will, the joy of Jesus will flow through that and he'll use that. But it's never the source of our joy. It's never the source of our joy. And so I, I want to close up and I want to have us all stand up and have the worship team come back. And I want to remind us of that some of us need to realize that we've taken the straw out. We've worshipped the wrong thing. We've forgotten where our source of joy. Jesus said, these things I've said to you that you would have joy to the full. What was he saying? Jesus is the source of joy. We'll talk a little bit more as we go on about the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit and all of those things. But some of us just need to Come back, to the, come back to the heart of the matter. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? Can you honestly answer the question, like, where's my joy? Has my joy been shaken? Has my joy, if I looked at what I evaluate as my joy tank, is it really full or is it in, empty? And some of us are really discouraged right now because of our circumstances, because of the situation. I want you to understand this year, throughout 2020, I, I've wrestled with all these things too. But the one thing that Jesus has been teaching me, especially in the last several weeks, is that no matter what I go through, I keep coming back to the source. I keep coming back to the vine. I keep coming back. And when I feel my joy tank going on empty, I come back to the word of God. I come back to the presence of God. I come back not to try to mask it with other things, not to try to mask an internal problem with external activity. I come back to the source and remind myself that Jesus is the source of life. And Jesus, we thank you so much that you died on the cross for us, that you paid the price for us, that you took all of our sin and you washed it away, and that it was a joy for you to go to the cross because your joy, you found joy in us. Lord, we thank you for raising from the dead. We take joy in this idea that there is a cost to following you. There is, it, it doesn't ever go on sale, but we know that in that there is fullness of joy. There's fullness of life in your presence. 
Lord, I, I, I pray over every single person here right now who may have be experiencing anything less than full joy. Lord, let your life flow through them right now. Remind them of the source. Remind them of you. Right now, if you're going through it right now and you, you've been battling in your mind, I just want to encourage you right now during this last worship time, plug back in. Set everything else aside. Set the cares aside. Set the problems aside. Set tomorrow aside. Just plug back into Jesus. Plug back into the source. Lord, we worship you. We honor you. We surrender to you. Lord, we give you it all today.